Today on Blue 58, the Packers have another quasi-playoff game on tap this weekend. Can they take care of the Minnesota Vikings and their backup QB? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode as the Packers continue their playoff push. Big fundraising update after I announced uh, our totals in the last episode. You guys have responded with a big flood of donations between when the episode dropped yesterday and right now. It's almost one o'clock Friday afternoon as of this recording. There's been a wave of donations. We've now cracked $2,000 for this year's fundraising effort. And of course, we are not done yet. You've got until December 31st at 11.59 p.m., whenever that happens to occur in your neck of the woods. So just get your donations in there. Full details are available at thepowersweep.com. Click the banner at the top of the page. And, of course, cracking $2,000 means that we have added another jersey to our pool of giveaway prizes. So be sure to get your donation in if we can, and, and you could be, considered for that. So thank you for your support so far. Thank you for supporting the ANA All the Way Foundation. And thank you for just, I guess, saying thank you to Aaron Jones uh, for his great contributions to the Packers over the years uh, via your contributions to his foundation. I want to start today as we think about the Vikings and think about what the Packers need to do here with a question, an older question that I haven't gotten a chance to to answer on the podcast yet. But Carl wrote in a while ago with this question, and you'll see how how long I've I've had this on the back burner when you when we see well basically what Carl asks here but I think it's a relevant one because of who the Packers are playing this week. So Carl wrote this a while back, quote, "Is there any credibility to the idea that a locker room of a team operating below expectations can gel and show improvement after the trade deadline? Insofar as the uncertainty in the roster is gone and the team can look around at who's still here and then say, "All right, we're the guys left here to do it, so let's go do it." I'm curious if there is a way this can be measured. Do you observe anything about the Packers' upswing, upswing the Steelers' final score notwithstanding since Halloween, that would invite this type of speculation? End quote. I like this question a lot because I think if there's anything that's been true about the Packers over the back half of the season, it does seem to be that they have gelled and come together as a team. That's not to say there haven't been some bumps in the road there. The situation's ongoing with uh, Devondre Campbell and Jair Alexander are two examples of that. But I think this team has discovered its identity and has come together through the second half of 2023. And as it pertains to Carl's question in particular, it feels very relevant to this week that the last game the Packers played before the trade deadline and before they moved Rasul Douglas was their loss to the Vikings in week eight. They had a three-game losing streak that dropped them to two and nine. That was on October 29th. The following Tuesday, Halloween, they trade Rasul Douglas. And that, of course, kicks off this this rally here down the stretch, if you want to look at it that way. But things have been better since that point, I guess, is is the overall takeaway here. Since the Packers lost to the Vikings uh, in Week 8 and um, retooled their secondary after that, moving on from Rasul Douglas, moving him to the Buffalo Bills, things have sort of come together. There have been, again, a couple of bumps in the roads there. In the road there, the Steelers lost, the Giants lost, the Buccaneers lost, sure. But they've also had quality wins over the Rams, the Chargers, the Lions, the Chiefs. And they got a win over the Panthers, which is all that ultimately matters. You know, style points aren't a thing. So to Carl's question, 
I don't this, think this is something that can be quantifiably measured, but I do think that the idea of freedom is one that it's one that is at play here. When you get to the point in the season where you say, basically, there's nobody coming to save us. This is it. This is the guys that we've got. These are the guys that are going to help us get out of this situation if we're going to get out of it at all. Your season can go one of two ways. Either it can crumble entirely or you can gel and come together and really put together something interesting and potentially special here as the Packers really begin this first year of a new era after Aaron Rodgers. But the idea of freedom is important because by trading Rasul Douglas, I think the Packers kind of freed themselves from expectations or removed themselves or from themselves some expectations. And with that removal of expectations comes two different kinds of freedom. You have freedom from things and then freedom to do other things. The freedom from category includes freedom from expectations. By trading a guy like Rasul Douglas, you're saying we don't expect necessarily that we're going to need him down the stretch because winning games isn't necessarily the priority. We're going to to look at the guys that we've got. We're going to get value from a guy who's probably not going to be here long term. We don't have short-term expectations, so we're going to move on from Rasul Douglas. And that freedom from those short-term expectations, I think, allows you to do some other things. You also have freedom from pressure. If you have no expectations, there's really no pressure to live up to anything. This is something we've talked about kind of in a backwards way a few different times over the course of the season. In the Aaron Rodgers era, especially the later parts of it, 2019 to basically the end, it was very clear to, I think, both Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and anybody really observing the Packers, that they knew that they were near the end. The Aaron Rodgers era was coming to an end. The idea behind hiring Matt LaFleur is that he's going to rejuvenate Aaron Rodgers down the stretch here. The, you know, building the the team the way that they did. Sure, they could have done more to, to bring in talent on offense, but building the team to contend those years was about trying to maximize the end of the Aaron Rodgers era. So there's a lot of pressure that goes on or that goes with that. We talked about, we have talked about this season about how during those years, even in games where the Packers won, you would come out Sunday afternoon, Monday morning feeling bad because of how the Packers won, which sitting here in 2023, and maybe this is just a a little bit of how we're spoiled as Packers fans, but sitting here rooting for a much different team doesn't that feel kind of crazy? It's not that you're upset that they won. It's just that you're disappointed that they didn't win in a certain kind of way. This season, there is no pressure along those lines. Sure, it's disappointing to beat the Panthers the way that they had to beat them. But still, there is a a certain amount of removing that pressure just because the Packers, and I think their fans, should just be happy to be getting wins however they can get them you know, on the grand scale of the season. Expectations do change over the course of the year, to be sure, and we've we've explored that concept recently as well. But by and large, the overall gist for the Packers this year was not, we've absolutely got to win as many games as possible to make ourselves contenders because our window is closing. There was no window this year. And even if the Packers do make the playoffs, it's it's a lark as much as anything. It's like, hey, look where we get to go. It's not we have a realistic shot at winning the Super Bowl. Because, you know, think about it. 
maybe you've got a puncher's chance against somebody in the wild card round, even though they're going to be playing, if they make it as the seventh seed, they'll be playing the two seed, which means they'll be going on the road to play a very good team in the playoffs. But at least you're there, at least you've got a chance. But as things tighten up in the divisional round, in the NFC Championship round, in the Super Bowl, the the level of competition is only going to get higher. You're not going to play another version of yourself, somebody who just got hot at the right time, more than likely. Chances are you're going to get hammered one of these weeks in the playoffs, and that's just, just kind of how it works. But the Packers can just go to the playoffs if they end up making it and not have any pressure at all, and maybe who knows what can happen. But kind of along those same lines, removing expectations frees you from unrealistic standards. If you go into a season with Super Bowl or bust type expectations, you're almost certainly going to be disappointed. Expecting your team to win the Super Bowl in any given year is virtually always guaranteed to end in disappointment. It's just that hard to win a Super Bowl. But if you go in with the appropriate expectations, I think the team and your experience as a fan will improve. It's kind of like going into a movie. Sometimes you want certain things from a movie. You want it to be a certain way, either because like it's part of a franchise and you've got built-in expectations based on previous things that you've seen, or maybe it's based on a book that you like, or maybe it's a director you really like, or maybe just the trailer looks really good. That is going to affect your final experience with that movie. It's going to affect how you feel about it, having watched it. But if you go into a movie just on some random Saturday afternoon because you thought, hey, I need something to do. Maybe it's the middle of July and it's hot out and you just want to sit in a dark air-conditioned room for a while and eat unhealthy snacks and have an icy. You just pick whatever looks good and watch it. I think your movie-going experience could be better going in that way than the average one where you're really hoping something is good. Freeing yourself from unrealistic expectations can help you in a lot of ways. And I think that's part of what happens with a team like the Packers after they they move on from a guy like Rasul Douglas. Then you've got the freedom to do something. So you've freed yourself from expectations and pressure and standards. What does that allow you to do? It gives you the freedom to play freely, to just be who you are, not be who someone else expects you to be. It gives you freedom to try new things. If there's no expectations that you have to play a certain way, There's no pressure to play what is considered to be the way that you play football. I firmly believe that there are a lot of coaches in the NFL who end up losing games they could win because they would rather look traditional and go down doing traditional things than try something weird or different, which might possibly give them a chance to win, but also might give them the possibility of looking stupid. When you have no expectations, there's no reason to not try the weird weird stuff. Do your entirely run-based offense. Do your, shoot, whip out the Wildcat and just be your Wildcat, you know, read option team. Do some really weird stuff. When you have no expectations, you can do that. You can also iterate on old things, I think, more quickly when there's not an expectation that you're going to play a certain way. And I think all of these have showed up in how the Packers have played in the second half of the season. Unfortunately, even freedom from expectations doesn't free you from being judged by the ultimate standard wins and losses, and that is still where the Packers find themselves a little bit here, especially with a chance to find their way into the playoffs here with wins in their final three games, one of which they've already won. But 
at least they've gotten a chance to do things a little bit differently because they found some of that freedom. And that was freedom that started in part because of their loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Do the Packers trade Rasul Douglas if they're, what, three and four instead of two and five? Maybe they still do. Maybe the Buffalo Bills still come calling and and say, hey, what do you think of this Rasul Douglas guy? But maybe not. Maybe the Packers just have that slight bit of more hope and they decide they want to really try for something in the second half of the season and they, they go about things differently. That, of course, leads us to Week 17, where the Packers have a chance to continue what was at one point a very unlikely playoff push, and they get to do it by traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings, who will be starting Jaron Hall for the second time in his career um, against the Packers on Sunday Night Football. First big question we've got to address as we look at the Minnesota Vikings is has to do with Hall. Basically, who is this guy? Here's what I know about Jaron Hall so far in his career. Basically, the phrase in and out of the, in and out of the lineup has been a good summary of his career so far, dating back to his uh, time in college at BYU. He played nine games with two starts over two seasons in 2018 and 2019 at BYU. Notably, he missed two games with concussions in 2019, Put a pin in that. We'll come back to it here in a second. He also redshirted for the 2020 pandemic season, but then was BYU's starter in 2021 and 2022. Over those two seasons, BYU went 15-7. and seven. Hall threw 51 touchdowns against 11 interceptions in that span. The Vikings drafted him in the fifth round of this spring's draft. He was the 11th quarterback taken. Notably, he was selected 15 spots after the Packers took Sean Clifford. There is a good evaluation placeholder for him if you're looking basically, I think, at an overview of where he is in terms of his quarterbacking prowess. He got his first NFL action against the Packers earlier this season after Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles earlier this year. He went 3 of 4 for 23 yards in that game and was sacked once. He got the start for the Vikings the next week, but then had to leave the game with a concussion. There is that pin we talked about earlier. But prior to that, he was 5 of 6 passing for 78 yards. So who is Jaron Hall as a player then? I think this NFL.com draft scouting report is a pretty good summary of what he is to this point in his career. And it stands out to me just because, well, see for yourself here. Quote, Hall is an undersized pocket quarterback with unimpressive arm strength. His field command gives him a shot to make it at the next level. He throws an excellent ball. He throws with excellent ball placement to targets on the move and delivers with a feathery soft deep ball. With accuracy, his lack of drive velocity creates smaller margins for error, and his timing needs to be impeccable to beat NFL man coverage. He operates with ideal poise from the pocket. He does an adequate job of reading coverages and getting rid of the ball without taking sacks. The size and arm strength will concern some teams, but offenses operating out of a heavy play action, out of heavy play action with levels-based route concepts, could target him as a solid future backup. End quote. So in that scouting report, words like undersized, unimpressive, and adequate. That's really a ringing endorsement from a a source that is usually pretty kind to the prospects it evaluates. He seems like the guy overall who could be a solid backup because he makes sure the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. He's not going to necessarily win a game for you, but hopefully if he is pressed into action, he is not going to lose it for you either. The Vikings seem to be going with him just because he is the least volatile guy that they've got on their roster right now. 
which I suppose is as good a reason as any. It just seems like he is not that exciting as a player, and that excitement comes through even in, in a bit of a hype piece uh, from NFL.com, as their scouting reports broadly, I think, tend to be. If not hype pieces, just trying to not criticize people too directly. The big thing we got to talk about with the Vikings this year, at least, is their defense. They're running a different kind of defense than I think we've seen in the NFL in some time. They are one of the most blitz-heavy teams in the league, and exactly how blitz-heavy we'll talk about in a second. But first, some some broad numbers for you. They are 10th in scoring defense. They are 12th in yards. They are 12th in net yards per attempt allowed through the air. They are 5th in uh, rushing yards per attempt allowed. Their opponents score just 35% of the time against this defense, which is 16th in the league. But they do all this, again, by being one of the most blitz-heavy teams in the league. They blitz on 49% of their defensive plays, 49.1%, in fact, which is almost 5% higher than the second-place team in terms of blitz rate. Now, it's notable that the Vikings are blitzing a lot because of who else is blitzing a lot in the NFL so far this year. To this point in the season, the top six teams in the NFL in terms of blitz rate are the Vikings, the Giants, the Buccaneers, the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Broncos. I point that out because the Vikings, the Giants, and the Broncos represent two legitimately very bad offensive performances for the Packers. The Steelers game, you've got a fairly mediocre one, two very costly turnovers. And then you've got a, a pretty good game against the Buccaneers, some some miscues in there to be sure, and then a very good game against the, the also blitz-heavy Chiefs. By and large, the Packers, I think, have struggled against the Blitz this year. That's some something to do with Jordan Love, something that he is going to have to work on, uh, and also to do with the rest of their, their young players. It's hard for Jordan Love to find hot routes and, and quickly open receivers if they are not used to teams speeding up the clock and, and having to have them you know, deal with the things faster, too. So it's kind of a systemic thing. I think people really want to make Blitzing to be just about the quarterback and how he handles it. That is certainly not inaccurate, but I don't think it's the entire picture. A quarterback can only do so well as uh, at processing the blitz as the people allow him around him allow him to be or to do. Uh, so the Packers need help for Jordan Love in handling this blitz, and every phase of their offense is going to be a big part of that. If you're looking for a reason, an additional reason, to be excited about Aaron Jones coming back and being in the lineup more, this could be one. Experience with dealing with the blitz, either as a, a blitzer or somebody who is a um, a check down option against the blitz, I think bodes well for the Packers handling that. It at least gives them another option. And if Duntavian Wicks is able to come back uh, this week, that would give them even more in their arsenal. So what do the Packers need to do here? What questions do we have about the Packers heading into week 17? First and foremost, can the secondary slow down Justin Jefferson, the great Vikings receiver? Generally speaking, I would guess not. It seems fair to assume that the the Vikings are probably going to have a a fair bit of success throwing to Justin Jefferson this week because I can't think of a strategy that really suits the Packers here. Do you go zone heavy and force the quarterback to just find him? Well, they tried that early last year, and Justin Jefferson was more than happy to find open spots in their zone and uh, had himself essentially a career day. That might do a little bit better with, uh, with Jaron Hall doing the throwing this week. Still, I would be hesitant to go with a passive approach to shutting down one of the game's best receivers, perhaps the best receiver in the NFL. He certainly seems to be in the conversation. So if you're not going to go zone heavy, do you go man heavy? 
That opens up the very simple question of who exactly is going to cover him. It's not going to be Jair Alexander. It's probably not going to be Carrington Valentine just because, well, he's Carrington Valentine and he probably can't do that alone. So beyond that, are you going to trust Eric Stokes to do it? Is it going to be Corey Valentine? Who's it going to be? That's a rhetorical question because I don't know the answer. And there's no real answer that I feel particularly good about either. And I would bet you're probably in that camp as well. So what do the Packers do then? I would probably just go down swinging. If they're going to find Justin Jefferson, and they probably will at some point, I would at least try to force Jaron Hall to find him quickly. The Packers have been slow to blitz this year. They have not been a a big, heavy blitzing team. But if you could do anything to speed up Jaron Hall, at least force him to process quickly, maybe that gives you a chance to slow down Justin Jefferson and and force Jaron Hall to beat you by going elsewhere. Of note, the Vikings are going to be without TJ Hawkinson this week, so that uh, eliminates at least one big option as as, uh, as far as Hall potentially going elsewhere. What then do the Packers need to do on offense? I think it comes down to simply scoring points the same way they did last week. If there's anything you can do to make life difficult for an opposing quarterback, it's forcing him to score to match you. That's ultimately what the Packers did to the Panthers, and it's ultimately what cost, I think, the Panthers the game. They lost a shootout. I don't think Bryce Young is particularly great. He certainly hasn't been good this year. And Jaron Hall went five rounds later than Bryce Young. Do the math yourself. Do you count on Jaron Hall to keep up in a shootout? If the Packers can can score points to make this a high-scoring game, I think you're you're opening up the chance for Hall to make mistakes. What I think you don't want this game to be is a short, few possession, you know, lots of clock eaten by both sides of the by both teams on both sides sort of game. The the closer you can allow the Vikings to keep this game, the more danger you open yourself up to to having things just be decided by one drive and anything can happen on one drive. Tommy DeVito beat the Packers on a game-winning drive. Jaron Hall and Justin Jefferson, I would bet, at least have a shot to do the same. And if you give the Vikings a shot, you might end up disappointed at the end here. Third question is, where are we on the extended preseason, guys? This is a a theme that we've covered a lot over the second half of the season. Haven't checked in on the two timeshare projects in a while. Let's look first at Rasheed Walker and Yash Nyman. Walker played 100% of the snaps for the Packers on offense last week. He hasn't played fewer than 68% of the snaps over the past four weeks. And in that same span, he has had both the best graded game of his of this season and the worst grade of graded game of the season, according to Pro Football Focus. His best game against the uh, best game came against the Buccaneers. His worst game came against the Carolina Panthers. My sense is we're probably getting to the end of this timeshare experiment, either you know by the fact that Walker is just playing better or by the fact that we're just close to the end of the season. And it's getting to the point where there's really no reason to play Yash Nyman anyway, just because he's probably not going to be here next year. So if you weren't going to play him to this point, why continue to try that? You might as well let Rashid Walker get reps and see what he can show you and put on tape for the future. I, I just don't see the point in continuing this out through the end of the season. And maybe Walker playing every snap is an indication of where we're at with that. Then John Runyon Jr. and Sean Ryan at right guard are beginning to split things a little bit more evenly. Sean Ryan's playing time has been trending up the past past couple of weeks. There we go. We found it. Uh, He played 48% of the snaps for the Packers against the Buccaneers, played 50% against the Panthers, but hasn't graded out particularly well. 
I don't think the Packers know quite what they have in Ryan yet, but kind of like Nyman, if running is going to be a free agent this offseason, maybe you just owe it to yourself to get a more extended look at Sean Ryan. For his part, Ryan, uh, Runyon hasn't played particularly well either, though he did have his best graded game of the season against the Buccaneers two weeks ago. Take all that for whatever you think it's worth. It may be worth nothing. Uh, he's just one-fifth of the offensive line, so giving him a, an individual grade may be kind of fraught anyway. But uh, it's a data point, and it's it's one that we can take into consideration. Final question about what the Packers can do against the, the Vikings this weekend actually has to do with the Bears. Specifically, what Jordan Love can do to pass Eric Kramer for one of the most successful offensive seasons in Chicago Bears history. Hat tip to Discord user Carl Anderson for passing this one along along to me. Thought I would give it a mention in the show. But Jordan Love has a chance to beat the best statistical season ever by a Bears quarterback this week. In 1995, Eric Kramer threw for 3,838 yards and 29 touchdowns. He also ran in another one. You say, John, that's not particularly great. And You'd be correct. That is not something that we would really say is a a particularly outstanding offensive season. But that's the best the Bears have ever put up at the quarterback position. Now, so far this season, Jordan Love has thrown 27 touchdowns and just under 3,600 yards, 3,587 to be precise. He also has three rushing touchdowns on the season, so that equals Kramer's total rushing and passing output of 30 touchdowns. So he's at least... Uh, put up the same number of points as Kramer did through 15 games. Love needs 252 yards and three passing touchdowns to pass Kramer in both categories outright. 251 and two touchdowns to equal him passing-wise. And I'm calling this out now because he has to do it in 16 games because that's what Kramer did and that this is the Packers' 16th game. I think you understand it. But I think it's a good level set, at least, for for one aspect of, of how good uh, Jordan Love has been this year, even if he's not like a world beater all the time, and if he hasn't been, you know, week in and week out, he's at least, in terms of volume stats, better or close to being better than the best statistical performance any Chicago Bears fan has ever seen. That's going to be about it for my week 17 Packers thoughts. I do want to leave you with a couple non-football things here as we draw this to a close. This is probably going to be the last time we talk together for 2023. So I wanted to take a moment and thank you for your support uh, this year. It's been a great year for the podcast. Download numbers have been spectacular. Our best year ever in terms of calendar year. I think we're going to end up beating uh, month records for 10 of the 12 months of the year. If if it's only nine, it's it's just right there in a couple other months. It, it was a great year for us in terms of your support. And uh, I hope that we can continue to bring great stuff to you in 2024. I'm thankful for your support outside of the podcast as well. As you, we've mentioned a few times on the show, it's been a bit of a difficult year just in terms of illness and some family stuff for us. So I appreciate all the kind thoughts and, and well wishes and prayers that you sent our way this year. It's been great to have this project to do. Um, even amidst some of those things. Of course, sickness makes it much more difficult, uh, but we've done what we can, and you guys have responded this year, and I very much appreciate that and appreciate your patience. If sometimes things have con, you know, come off on, on different schedules or shows have had to be abbreviated and all, all of those sorts of things, I'm excited to be back for 2024. 
I always look at this, the the power sweep in Blue 58 as a year-by-year thing, like calendar year thing. And there was no doubt in my mind as I sat down toward the end of 2023 here that I wanted to do it in 2024. It was never a, a question of how long into the year we would go or anything like that. I think that is a long time off. I, I don't anticipate being done with Blue 58 and the power sweep anytime soon. And I'm excited to see what 2024 brings us. And just some general thoughts about that. Um, as we've approached the end of this year, I've been thinking about infinite games a lot. There's two different kinds of games, uh, games that are, are finite and games that are infinite. Finite games are things where you, you try to meet a specific objective. And then when you meet that objective, the, the, the game ends, you win the game or, um, you achieve a result, you put the puzzle together, whatever it is. Infinite games are, are games where the goal is to just continue playing the game. You want it to go on forever and, and give you new things and new challenges and, and new ways of doing things. Achieving goals is always nice. But finding things that you can do sustainably forever, I think, is, is even better. And I think this is one of those things. So that's how I want to focus on Blue 58 in 2024 and the Power Sweep is just making it as sustainable long term as it can be so that I can keep doing it the way that I want to do it and in a way that serves people and serves the audience and helps enhance your experience as, as a Packers fan. And that's something that I want to do just outside of this too in 2024 is to get better at finding and participating in those kind of rewarding infinite games. You know, fitness, hobbies with no defined end where the goal is just to keep playing. That's the kind of stuff I want to pursue and uh, maybe that's something that we can work on injecting into the, the Power Sweep and Blue 58 community a little bit more. But to cap off all those things, I think the real takeaway with all this kind of stuff is that you have to try. You have to try a podcast or a blog or whatever and see if you like it. You've got to try that new workout or fitness strategy or food or book or whatever. you just got to try stuff and, and see what you think. And as it pertains, I guess, to my area of expertise, podcasting and writing and and all of those sorts of things, I would leave you with this for 2023. If you've been thinking about trying a podcast, whether it's about the Packers or something else that you like or a writing project or something else creative, consider this your sign to do it. There's nothing to be lost by trying something. All you're going to lose is time. And the time is going to pass anyway. We're going to be sitting here 12 months from now at the end of 2024, and I would hate for you, if you've been thinking about starting something like that, to get to the end of another year having not started it, having not at least tried it, having not at least explored something new. Do whatever you can to make that happen in 2024. You'll never know what it could be unless unless you try. And if you try something and it turns out to not be great, at least you try. Now you know. Now you know that you don't like podcasting or writing or painting or, or whatever, but at least you tried and now you can move on to something else. So that is my encouragement to end 2023, to start 2024, do it, take the swing, try something new. We'll be here giving you support in our own kind of way along the way. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you tuning in all year long as we've tried to do our best to be the best Packers podcast we can be for you. I appreciate it. And I would appreciate it even more if you'd continue to share it with people you think would enjoy it too. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. 
And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.